I'm so happy to be able to advertise LitFest this year.、Um, if you don't know what LitFest is, it is the home of Canada's first and only nonfiction festival. It runs this month, well, the month coming up, anyways, in Edmonton, October 11th to the 21st. There's going to be so many cool people there. People like Billy Ray Belcourt, Dave Bedini, Brian Goldman, and Elizabeth Renzetti, and also past guests of Modern Manhood. Like people like Rachel Giza, who is the author of What It Means to Become a Man, and Michael Hingston, who was on an episode ages ago. He recently did a book about Calvin and Hobbes,、um, and he's done some other, some other awesome stuff. Uh, he's going to be there, as well as many other people like Omar Mwellem is going to be hosting a panel.、Uh, it's just so many cool things. You, you have to check it out. And the good thing is that because I want you guys to check it out so badly, I'm going to give you a deal. If you go to litfestalberta.org, if you put in the code APNROCKS, so that's APNROCKS, APNROCKS, you'll get five bucks off. Five bucks off a ticket. That's Pretty damn good because tickets are like $12. A festival pass is like $129. Four packs and single tickets are also be available. Like, listen, you can get something for like seven bucks. That's pretty damn good. You should make it happen. Make it happen to go to any one of these、uh, specific panel presentations. I'm definitely going to be at one of them. I'm definitely going to go to the Rachel Giza one because I love what she says.、Um, I'm definitely going to try to go to Michael Hingston. I'm definitely going to try, to try to go to Vivek Shraya. Like, there's so many people that I really want to go see. You should make it happen.、Uh, like I said, festival passes are $129 and you can get five bucks off if you just go to litfestalberta.org and use the promo code APNROCKS. 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 Make it happen. And on the same thing, this is great synchronicity to this show specifically because we are going to talk about a podcast called Otherwise. It is an affiliate podcast to the Alberta Podcast Network, but you have to check it out because it's going to feature somebody by the name of Ahmed Ali, who, if you looked at this title of、um, this specific podcast episode, we're going to talk to Ahmed. <laughs> And、um, you know what? He is a person that, like, just in general, an interesting, interesting human being. And you should just check out whatever he does, anyways,、um, as you'll see on this episode, because he he's a fantastic person.、Uh, so he's set up a new podcast called Otherwise. He's the poet laureate for Edmonton. And not only is he he's on the podcast, there's、uh, other people named Karen Tung,、um, and there's a, they're the co host of Otherwise. So what they're going to do is that. They're going to be able to take stories from Edmonton and from the people surrounding Edmonton and just be able to share those stories. And I mean, they're amazing people anyway. So, like, I'm, I'm definitely going to be listening to this podcast because I love Ahmed and I'm pretty sure I'm going to love whatever people that he brings in.、Uh, yeah, I think you should do it too. So, the first episode is going to launch, like, it's going to launch on my birthday, which is fantastic, September 28th.、Uh, if you go to, Otherwise, show.com, you can find out a little preview episode there and、uh, see what's happening with Ahmed because he's doing some awesome stuff. So, yeah, there you go. You're going to hear a lot more about Ahmed in this episode in general, and you're probably going to fall in love with him, anyways, and you're probably going to have to check out the show. So, just do so in the meantime. It's otherwise, show.com.
Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome back to another episode of Modern Manded, presented by Next Gen Men. An explanation of modern masculinity and the way it shapes us in the modern world. I'm your host and friend, Herman Vijegas. Modern Manhood is part of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB, and is supported and helped out by the wonderful people at Next Gen Men. A nonprofit dedicated to bringing healthy masculinity with youth programs, business works, and groups like Wolfpack that we're going to do on September 26th. Please be there. September 26th, we're climbing it up the Mercer Tavern. We're going to talk about marriage. We're going to talk about divorce. It's going to be very interesting. It's going to be very vulnerable. It's going to be very humbling. But it's also going to be a lot of fun. So be there. If you want to do that, please go to nextgenmen.ca uh, and check out Wolfpack there to find out how you can get your tickets. Um, it all costs is a donation. Uh, so be there on September 26th at the Mercer Tavern in Edmonton, Alberta. Next Gen Men and Modern Manhood is supported by generous Patreons like, I'm going to pronounce these names, AJ Doherty. I think it's AJ Doherty or Doherty. I'm so sorry if I mispronounced your name. I'm pronouncing it the way Pete Doherty did (laughs) by the Libertines. So AJ Doherty, Mitch Conrad, and Luke Kruger. Thank you, Luke. Thank you, Mitch. Thank you, AJ. Because they support us to help run Next Gen Men, and we consider them like family. So thank you very much. If you want to be a Patreon and get a shout out here in the podcast, go to patreon.com slash nextgenmen, or just do so because you want to do something great for our boys and men from the bottom of your heart. Do so. Go to patreon.com slash nextgenmen. Now, on this podcast today... You've already heard if you were listening to that. I mean, if you skip the ads, that's whatever. <laughs> but that's how I get my money anyways from the year. Uh, but I understand if you skip the ads. So if you skipped it, you must know that we're going to talk to Ahmed Nomadic Ali. He is the port laureate for Edmonton right now. Um, but beyond that title, like Ahmed is, has been a prominent person in Edmonton for a long, long time. Um, he's an award-winning poet. He has experience as an actor, as a comedian, as a public speaker, and as a youth worker. And he's also an immigrant who came from Somalia. I, I mean, I, I had to have Ahmed on the show. Like, and this is somebody that I've wanted on the show for a long time. I'm so happy he said yes. Um, we had a phone conversation, and the you know the audio is a little bit creaky just because of that. So just be aware of that. But I mean, if you don't know who Ahmed Ali is, I mean, I mean I, I'm gonna I'm gonna show you. Just listen to this. These veins run blood from Africa. Right. See, I was born in Africa. Right. I was fed Africa. Okay. Then I was torn from Africa. Parents fed up with Africa, so we fled Africa. Okay. Landed in a land far, far from Africa, and we have long forgotten that we are not from Africa. What? We are Africa. Right. Remember, we come from a land where we were once kings and queens, where the trees use their vines and leaves as rosary. There are waterbeds embedded with the essence of life. And while the heavy I count sheep, the dormant souls of our ancestors resting in the Atlantic are carried on riverbeds back home. And they say that imitation is the greatest form of flattery. Then would it not be vain for us to take our customs back since we put the art in artery? There is no reason to go searching for my history in hidden caves or bay clay buried deep. It's visible on my face, the way I carry myself. 
the proverbs of my people, the scarification of the forehead of Sudanese tribes, the shapes of a women's bodies that mimic all the geographical differences of Africa, and the colorful cloth like a rainbow bending backwards to tie the beauty together, I swear God must have etched my being into its core because my soul is drawn to Africa. And I wait the days I can sit back and overdose on Africa. Many have fallen into the traps of asking me if I am from Africa. I say, hush. I am Africa. Don't tell me what you read because I am a manuscript written in African, so read my lips and my body language. And if you are ever confused, ask for translation. Because I don't understand how you might misinterpret bare feet kissing ground as barbaric past my oral tradition as a mere clicking of tongue. Where I am from, wisdom drips from the beards of the elders and knowledge rests between their lips ready to create revolutions. And their philosophies are always willing to back them up. So I could care little about what you've been told because we all know well enough that only shepherds should rely on what they heard. Right? <laughs> <laughs> only shepherds should rely on what they heard. Where I am from, bloodlines are borders, neighbors are relatives, tribes are families. Africa is within us and with us, therefore, I am 54 nations in one. Yep. And my mother is known as the cradle of life. I am not from Africa. I am Africa. Thank you. Do you have some goosebumps? Because I do. <laughs> That's, this is the reason why I wanted to talk to Ahmed. Like, uh, a, a poet like that, I mean, is just inspirational. He And not only that, he is a person that just screams community. He is a person with his voice and with his tone. Just, I can feel the hug. The hug that he brings just by speaking. Uh, so I'm so honored. I'm so happy to talk to Ahmed, uh, and hope you enjoy. So here's Ahmed, nomadic Ali. This is such uh, an awesome. I am honored that you're uh, you're speaking to me. Um, it's and being on Modern Manhood. Uh, thanks so much for for being on the show. I, I really appreciate you taking some time to do this. Thank you uh, so much for inviting me and uh, for honoring me and for even uh, believing and trusting me. It is, it is a privilege to be here and to uh, share my perspectives of what it is to be a man and what manhood means to me. Yeah, yeah. This is this. I I have a feeling that you have some opinions about this, and I and and I trust somebody with you. Um, your 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 personal expertise around this. So. Um, Ahmed, the first time we met, actually, we, you don't know that we, we met already, but <laughs> I, I recognize of you, uh, that we were, um, you were doing, you were hosting a, uh, um, a poetry slam event at the Rose Bowl in, uh, in, in Edmonton here. And the Rose Bowl is, is done now, unfortunately, but, um, uh, but you were such an engaging host and you were inviting people to come up to the stage and, and, uh, and, you know, bring in their own poetry, bring in their own voice and, uh, and I can tell that you were very passionate about this and you were trying to encourage people to um, speak on their own behalf through poetry. Um, so I, I'm, I'm, my first question is to you, like, what, what does poetry mean to you as a man? Like, what, what, is, what, is, it, what is it about poetry that um, engages your spirit and engages your, your life? Um, so one thing I, um, so the story behind that Rose Bowl, the Rose Bowl poetry was, um, it, it actually fits into that whole, uh, not belonging mentality. When I first moved back to Edmonton, I, I didn't have uh, an avenue or anywhere to express my creativity because in Ontario I did theater and stand up comedy, and like Edmonton, I didn't have any way to really, you know, to 
bring out my creativity because that's what really helps my depression and my anxiety. And so then I went to that spot and I, I met a uh, wonderful poet named Titi Okinoga at the Poetry Festival. And then that uh, Rouge Poetry started and it allowed me to be who I am. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the thing is there are 7 billion people. What poetry allows is for you to tap into your authenticity if you want and bring that to the world. And so for me, poetry is one of the most vulnerable, most uh, emotionally, um, you know what I mean? Uh, you exhibit who you are as an individual emotionally when it's a poetry. And I like that. I like putting myself on there and constantly challenging myself as a character because I don't like to be defined as a certain thing. I want to create myself. I am a people art as well. Right, right. And I can tell from, from, your, from your poetry that you know one of your most famous poems is i am africa and that's it it reminds me of that it reminds me of what you're saying that you're not you're not just you're not this um this medium of trying to get these words that you are you're trying to embody the art that you that you have and i think that's really special um do you do you find it um you mentioned that this is this is a part of uh you helping with your own emotions and your own vulnerability um what what was it about that that really helped you? Like, was it just putting the words on the page or was it just being on stage? Like, what, what was it that really helped you out in that regard? It, it allowed me to be myself. Mm. Uh, that's what it was. I was, uh, I had the opportunity to mold a space where everybody felt equal and nobody felt any of the roles that were um, associated to us outside of that space. So when we entered that space, we were ourselves. And that's what I love the most is I went in there being this anxious, introverted, extroverted uh, comedian who likes alone time, loves reading, and loves drama. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it was, it was awesome. I got to be whatever I wanted to be in that space. And that's what I love about the, what I still love about poetry and, po- and the poetry circles here within Edmonton is that it's a welcoming community where we, we get to redefine what it means to be a male, what it means right. to be transgendered, what it means to be a Muslim. None of the stuff that we were told outside of that space matters. All that matters that in that space is you are not allowed to hate anybody. Mm-hmm. Be yourself. Say what you want. Make mistakes. Learn from it. Let's grow together. Yeah, that's that's so cool. And I, and I love your expression of uh, being yourself. And uh, um, did you find it hard as a man to kind of like when you're first starting out to 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 kind of release yourself into being more of more you? Um, I don't know if that make if that question makes sense or not, but does that does that make oh, sense? Yeah. This is pretty much what you're saying. Um, has poetry and art allowed you to be the male that you see within yourself and not the male that I'm told to be? Yes, 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 yes. So it started off earlier for me. Uh, I got I got my uh, uh, my challenges as an artist when I was younger. Uh, I don't care what people say about me now, right? Like it's, I define who I am, right? Like I am who I want to be myself in this world. And growing up, I realized that people aren't against me. They're for themselves. So when they see things that are hurtful of me, they're not trying to legitimately hurt me. They're just going through their own insecurity. What I've learned is to not make it personal. Yeah. But growing up, when I was younger and I first started drama and I was doing uh, support stuff for the dance in my high school in Ontario, my friends who were some Somalis, uh, some Muslim, some way, you know, all over mm-hmm. the things that I was in drama, I was in uh, basketball, I was I was all over the place in high school. And so people would call me homophobic slurs, you know. Uh, people would call me weird, you know what I mean? People would try to different me or ostracize me. And it bothered me then, yeah. you know, because I was still trying to find out who I was as an individual because here I am coming to Canada, 
we have a certain a certain perspective where males have this role, women have this role. Now I'm being made fun of for who I am. I don't speak English. Mm. So I just got a, a big chunk of that at one time. And it helped me learn that people aren't against me. It taught me that to value my own identity. Don't let people try to create who you are. You are a, your own museum. Put your art in your own uh, exhibit. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But this moment, it no longer happens where people have questioned who I am and what angle I can be the emotional person that I am because I am. Uh, you'll see me at a microphone. Uh, the Rouge poetry still goes on, but now we do it at Masawa. Mm. I still tell people emotional things. I say, hey, don't forget to tell the one you care about, you love them, that you love them. I'm not afraid to argue with my older brother about mm. what a role a man has, you know? Yeah, yeah. No, that's 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 very cool. I, when did you come to Canada? How old were you? I was eight years of age. Eight years so of age. 1993. Yeah. 93. Yeah, that's funny. That's uh, around the same time that I came to Canada. I came when I was seven years old. So I. Uh, where did you come from? Uh, not Germany, right? No, not from Germany. <laughs> um, where did you come from? I'm from Chile, actually. Uh, oh, Chile. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like I. This is also one of the things why I wanted to talk to you because I was like, I'm like, I feel like we have a, a common a commonality in. And oh, being yeah. being immigrants, and uh, I, I, when you were talking about, um, you know, how it was hard for you to, uh, when you were when you were just starting, I mean, when you just came to Canada, and uh, uh, people were making fun of you for not speaking English, and you know, that's something I face as well. Yeah. Um, how did you? I mean, I, I know you talked about like the poetry and your and your art and trying to be yourself, and I, I can't imagine how hard it was. Uh for you trying to be artistic and, and also uh, being an immigrant. And uh, I'm just curious about how you see immigrant life in, in Canada right now. Uh, one thing I talk about a lot is that I, I really love, I love psychology. I love human nature. I love social psychology. And I do a lot of research on that. And uh, besides poetry, that's my, 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 my sweet, my main sweet. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, there's something about, um, uh, so just as an example is, uh, have you ever seen in Europe when, especially if you're from Chile, you understand the power of soccer crowd? Do you see when a soccer crowd, a team, uh, uh, get their, uh, one of their uh, players to score? You see the amount of energy that happens in that space? For me, there's something overwhelming about that, that where people can come together, have a certain belief, and that energy that is in that stadium is mesmerized. Mm-hmm. So for me, as an immigrant, there are a lot of times where we're supposed to come together and we're told, this is who you are, right? Like, but for me, that energy that I was talking about in the stadium level comes from a lower level where I see the youth that are growing up here and you give them input. Not influence them, but you provide them tools to build themselves. Because you know, as an immigrant, our parents want us to be something. They don't. They don't provide us an opportunity. They always say, "No, become an engineer, become a doctor, become a lawyer. Anything artistic is out of question." And so it was. It was layered with that. Even masculinity is associated with specific careers. And and so uh, being an immigrant. And being an artist is weird because they're like, why would you do that? Why would you waste your time? Like, how do you? So you're, you look look down upon. And so for me, being an immigrant artist, I get the most why even do that from immigrants. And I get hate and uh, people who try to obstruct my uh, success from people who are not minorities. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, totally. Totally understand yeah. that. So, and so I, 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 I don't, I don't, uh, my older brother and, and people that are, um, you know, at times we don't understand each other because we have a certain set of beliefs. Um, the hardest part about 
trying to get a point across to somebody who's determined to feel a certain way is, that they're determined to feel that way. Because if I explain to you Antarctica right now, and if you've never been, what you're going to do here is you're going to associate Antarctica with the cold that you know. And it's not the right cold. It's a different type of cold. You know what I mean? It's a, it's a whole different thing. Like when I yell at you and then you yell at, uh, or your mother yells at you, yeah, there's a yelling, but the yelling, the context behind the yelling is different. You know what I mean? And so that's the hardest thing about trying to explain to somebody who's uh, grown up in gender roles, you know? And so my, my, my objective is to reshape that with the youth that are around to show them that you can be as emotional as you want, you can be as, as, as strong as you want, you know, what, what you define that. Don't let anybody else define what it means to be a man. I want to go back to, to that in a sec. Um, but at first I want to ask you, what, um, what role did your father play into your immigration and uh and your just your life in general as trying to uh you know explore what masculinity looks like to you um, my, my father was and said that he did a good job in not defining gender roles it was weird my father was one of the most awesome uh teachers ever he was the one that cooked at home he was the one that baked at home he was the one that did um uh, a good chunk of child rearing in the sense of uh, taking us fishing, taking us swimming, playing video games with us. Uh, I got very lucky. Uh, I got placed into a family where there were no girls. I was the youngest. So I was the one doing the game. You know? Right, right. So it, it really it didn't give me an opportunity to get into a gender role because I was redefined. Uh, my family redefined uh, those roles. We didn't have uh, a, a girl in our family. And so they're like, you know what, this is the perfect opportunity. And it was not, you know, they didn't say, hey, you know what, we're going to uh, remove gender roles. No, it was just like, hey, uh, Ahmed Queen, you're the youngest. It's about age now. It's not even about gender. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> That's really cool. Um, and, and, you know, like, I was I was listening to some of your poems to prepare for this, and uh, the poem um, Innocence was the one that I really that really took a hold of me and it's the one uh that you were talking about how when you were arrested um and uh it was an experience for you and you you made a poem about it and the 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 line that stuck out of me was your last line about your dad about how your dad was uh was a positive man and was like you know don't worry about it you're getting a free meal out of this so don't worry about yeah, <laughs> that part yeah, and exactly. yeah and I, and i'm very curious as to like especially with your poem innocence and this these are people who are you know like you can you can say you know let's let's be who you are like you can do whatever you want to be but there's people around you your society around you that uh tries to put you down and puts you into these idealistic roles and uh sees you in different ways um and I'm and I'm assuming that's what happened when you were arrested um yeah. how do you like I mean you write you wrote this poem that kind of helped you out like I just want to know if there's if there's a piece of advice that you could give to, to people or how do you see, like, how do we shape other people that are seeing you in different ways when you just want to be free? Yeah. You know, it was, it goes back to that. Um, uh, people have become agents of change. And by that, I mean, everybody uh, feels like they are entitled to tell you who or what you should be, you know, constantly, constantly. It happens constantly, whether it's indirectly or directly. Like I'm, Currently, poor laureate, but this is my third time that I was shortlisted, and I didn't get it the previous two times, obviously. But some of the stuff that happened during the interview goes to show that uh, people are those agents trying to tell you who you are, what you are, because they, it, it goes back to that mentality of if you've never been to Antarctica, how can you really talk about Antarctica? So when I bring a diverse perspective to them that they're not aware of, 
they don't realize it, but they say or do things that, you know, sometimes it's like, you know, why were you, where did that come from? Like, uh, an example of that is just people try to tell you what, what you should be is uh, they go, oh, you know what, Amit, this was great, but, you know, um, your religion hinder you being a poor laureate. And I'm like, what do you mean? Like, because I'm Muslim doesn't mean that I'm going to be less of a poor laureate and it's going to affect my poor laureateship. And then when I didn't get it and I went to go celebrate the woman that did get it, one of the jurors came up to me and said, hey, Amit, you know what, maybe you're not a poor laureate. Maybe you're a bard. People in Africa and Arabia are bards. So this man's intention isn't to hurt me. He's not coming to be like, yo, Amit, you suck. But he doesn't realize that what he's doing, he's trying to label me based on what he thinks I should. And that's the problem, right, is people too often think that they can tell people what to be. Nobody is there to tell anybody how to be. They're there to support people on what they want to be, you know? And so that's the responsibility when I talk about the poetry and, and pops trying to put me in jail. I don't give negativity to negativity because that only breeds more challenges for myself. My enemy is my friend because I have an opportunity to educate and support. So say if somebody who's random in the street comes up to me and calls me the N-word, it means absolutely nothing. Somebody random on the street comes up to me and calls me uh, a homophobic slur, it means nothing to me because they're not relevant in my life. What they said does not affect who I am, but it's a boss. If it's a, a, a co-worker, if it's a professor, these are the people that have power that control that. And so when I, I have an opportunity, I don't uh, go to people and be like, yo, see this person do I don't go to social media. I create an opportunity for us to build dialogue because education is important. That's the most important part is re-educating ourselves. The reason why there are gender roles is we were told to be a certain way. And now we need to redefine that. And that means not taking things personally, uh, not assuming people want to hurt us all the time. We think along those lines. And so that poem for me is one of the most emotional things I've mm-hmm. ever written. And in fact, the only poem I've ever cried while performing. Mm-hmm. Is because it is genuinely honest. Mm-hmm. The idea behind that poem is I was struggling. I was poor. I was eating from food banks. I was staying at shelters. My parents are gone. I'm 16. The only place I feel like I belong is school. And I can't even be myself at school because here I am being told by my friends that I should tell this guy to turn music down. And the person that's my friend calling me the N-word. And the principal who knows me from being associated with extracurricular activities is now looking down on me because I lifted a fist in this cop who doesn't know who I am. Is going to wait till lunchtime, bring me in front of everybody to make me look like a criminal. When in reality, I'm a soft. Right, gentle, caring, emotional person, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I'm not gonna let them. I'm not gonna let them again. That them trying to define me by arguing with them, by playing, by fighting with them. What you do is you justify it. Then you say no, I'm not that. You what you did right now. You put me in a position. You try to redefine me. I'm not gonna be mad at you for it. But it's not who I am, and I'm gonna let you know it's not what. Right. Now, moving forward, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And it seems like even with your life, like <laughs> I mean, I don't think there's a this is not winning and losing, but I feel like you're just showing yourself and, and, and you know, look where you are right now. And I feel that this, this is it's like proof positive of that positivity, right? Like it's proof positive oh, yeah. that like you're, you're reaching some heights that are, that um, you're doing this through your art. And I, I don't know, I'm, I'm very inspired by your story and I'm very like, like this is something that's like so, so cool to see. and so cool to say like, you know, like, you know, turning the other cheek sometimes does work and, and, yeah. Making sure that that we can work through a positive lens is such a yeah. such an inspiring yeah. story, my friend. 
the team where everyone else in the room is masculine, us men, that we're told everything's a competition. Yeah, you exactly. Know? Like, you're supposed to get it. You gotta, you gotta earn it. You gotta bootstrap it. Like, you can do it. You're a man. Don't cry. You, no, there are many avenues to be who the hell you want to be, whatever <laughs> you want to be a man. Like, you know, you could be a strong builder and still get your enjoyment out of doing clown, out of uh, reading public. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. It does not matter. You can be anything you want at any point. You get to define that. You only live one life. This is your move. Everybody around you is an extra. The character that builds your story. So being obviously humble and responsible. But don't let nobody try to write your own story because you were the author. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> oh, that makes so much sense. Um, it is, you know, and I wanted to go back to what you said about um, about immigrant life. How some parents, or even some people, I know you mentioned this once in an interview. Um, how sometimes your parents, or when you mentioned them, it's like, oh, I want to make my life out of art. I mean, I want to make my living out of art. Um, and your parents were like, oh, are you going to make some money out of that? Or how do you make money out of that? And I, yeah. and I feel that's a very common thing. Like I, I've heard my 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 grandma, my abuelita, who said that to my cousin one time. She's a yep. she's a drama teacher, and she's she's a you know. It's like, oh, are you gonna make money out of drama? And now she like runs like a drama company out in Chile. So, but at the same time, it's like <laughs> it's like it's just, it's the commonality of the of like the immigrant experience. That <laughs> yeah, and then, but the immigrant, I think what uh, a lot of times what happens to immigrants is uh, I think they can't overlook the struggle, right? Because, right. Uh, I think you can uh, you can understand this. And there are people who are surviving, and then there are people who are thriving. As immigrants, when we first come, we're surviving. We appreciate art. We have yeah. no time for art. Our money is for rent, grocery, uh, cars, stuff like that. Right. So that that's the the survival. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. It's so, definitely like a survival you know, car. So yeah. Yeah, so they, they want us to be that, but they're just afraid that we're not going to survive with that money we're going to make. Now. But when they see that, they're like, okay, my bad. Yeah, yeah. Did your parents ever warn you about um, about racism in Canada or, or um, you know, did, yeah, I guess that that's the question. Did they ever say to you, like, oh, don't do this or make sure you're aware of this and whatnot? No, I, uh, funny story is, um, my dad was the type of person who wanted me to learn myself. Yeah. And so he, he, his philosophy was, um, if I tell you right now, uh, to watch out for this, to go do for this, to go do for this, what I'm doing is I'm preparing you to see it a certain way. Mm-hmm. I don't want you to see the world from my perspective. I don't want you to understand it from your perspective. But if anybody does this, I think it's best interest to do. You know what I mean? Yes. And so that's what they would approach it as. So we grew up in Kitchener, Ontario. And I'm not sure if you know Kitchener that well. Uh, but Kitchener is, uh, used to be called uh, Berlin. And uh, it's German town. Oh. And it's not to say that German people are bad. <laughs> but you can understand it in 1992 <laughs> when a bunch of Somalis come to uh, a city of 100,000 or less. <laughs> You're going to stand out. And so there were times where we got, there was honestly, like, not even a joke. There were there were whites against Somalis, like, battles, like, huge, right. like, hundreds of people. Like, we used to get chased. We used to get, um, my brother got jumped and got hospitalized. And, uh, you know what I mean? Like, our school mascot so recently was, was a rebel with the Confederate flag. Oh, no way. So, wow. Yeah, man. So what I'm saying is, we never, I never, me and my brother, we talk about it now, we laugh, but I've never realized growing up, everything around us was racist. Right. The way my dad taught us was not to look at that. Don't look at the racism. Look at the intention behind the racism and find ways to manipulate that intention to be a positive where everybody wins or you win. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Did you find it different when you moved to Edmonton? Uh, you know, 
Edmonton is uh, it's an amazing city. Uh, a lot of cities are growing back grown. The racism is kind of more than it is overt. Right. I find there's a lot of challenges with uh, opportunities and it comes to uh, levels of uh, privilege and stuff like that. Yeah. But when it comes to the art community, right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, uh, here you are doing a podcast or something that I believe we met each other in a poetry venue. Here we are talking about a podcast on a podcast yeah. about uh, masculinity and positive mental, uh, mental health and being positive. You know what I mean? Like, everything yeah. is good in that. It's big enough that you build your team small enough that you can a family. Totally, totally. And sp- speaking of family, you have a daughter now, right? Yes, the daughter and one on the way. One more on the way. Congratulations. Yeah. That's so awesome. That's so great. Um, as now that you're a father, because um, we talked about your father before, how are your feelings like um, as a father? Is it is your perspective changed? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I realized that. No, honestly, like, it's uh, been, uh, I was talking to my, uh, I was talking to my spouse, honestly. It is so refreshing to have the struggles that I had in my past, positive problems that I had, and all the uh, negative men in my life mm-hmm. because now I get to demonstrate to my, my daughter what it means to be a man. Mm. And by that, I mean, here we are, you know, I, I'm dancing together. Mm. You know what I mean? Like she turns on a song from Trolls and, and we dance together. <laughs> and then uh, what do you want to do? You want me to do your hair? I do her hair. And then I help her with her, uh, with her nails and stuff like that. I'm, I'm awesome. redefining what it means to be a man in her life. And in addition to that, I'm the main caretaker of the home. I'm mm. the one washing I'm the one cleaning her back. I'm the one back. I'm the one giving her a back. So she sees, much like my father who demonstrated, uh, a lot of times actions speak louder than words. Absolutely. And I know as a poet, it sounds weird, but <laughs> louder than words. And Absolutely. So, to my daughter, we demonstrate. We don't We don't ever tell her what to do. We demonstrate. Right. By that, obviously, I say, pick up the clothes. That's different. But I meant like, oh, no, she never do that. So, for example, uh, she's talking to her grandmother on the phone, and her grandmother lives in Florida. Mm-hmm. She's talking to her grandmother on the phone, and the grandmother says, how are you doing, Layla? And Layla's not looking at grandmother. She says, I'm doing well. Grandmother says, hey, Layla, remember, it feels really good when you look at people and you talk to them. And then she does. Right. I'm not telling her what to do. I'm advising her how it feels, right? And so I, I get to do that, and I'm building a very positive relationship. She's been so empathetic already. Like, she'll yeah. somebody crying at the library. She says, okay, okay. And she'll, like, pat them on the back. Oh. Just so it, it's been, it has been it has been refreshing. Wow. I get to lead, and I'm not building my daughter. I'm giving her the tools for her to build who she is because you don't get to choose the child. You get to choose the type of parent, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, man, that's so good. I, I always preach on this podcast that you're – your role model, whether you like it or not, like you're, you have to, you really have to show people what it being the model of that person. And it's kind of a win-win scenario. You're like, you're showing your daughter, but it also, it's making you feel good and it's making you feel better. And like, it's, it's such a win-win scenario. And, and you're totally right about like just modeling that perspective because, you know, you're going to be the most important um, man in her life for a long time. (laughs) Exactly. I want to create spaces where no matter what she's going through, she always feels like she can tell me, because you know us immigrants, our parents, man, we're scared to death half the time. We do something we shouldn't be doing. And so I want to build a relationship where if she does something that's crazy, she's like, oh, I'm going to tell dad right away. But she's comfortable enough to come up to me like, dad, I messed up. And then I can tell her, hey, listen, that was messed up. But how do we work? How do we work? because it's not about the act and the mistake it's the lessons that come with it. let's learn you know yeah absolutely um i wanted to go back as well too when you talked about mental health and you said you wanted to do positive mental health um 
I don't know if you can speak to this, but I'll throw it out anyways. Um, you said in an interview that mental health is something that is not valued in the Somali community yet. Um, is that something you believe still? Yeah, I believe, actually, I believe a lot of uh, immigrant communities don't value mental health. Mm. Uh, that bootstrap mentality just, like, you can't see it, it's not real. You know mm. what I mean? Like, oh, it's, it's, it's not um, a bullet coming your way, then what do you mean by anxiety? What do you mean can't eat in public? You know right. what I mean? Right, right. And so a lot of, a lot of where, and it's not that, uh, it's not that immigrants aren't, uh, they don't care about mental health. They don't know about mental health. Yeah. It's that survivor mentality that you were talking about, right? Yeah, exactly. And so at first, when I used to go through a lot of anxiety, I'm still, I still deal with anxiety and I'm a huge introvert. Um, You're an introvert. Trust me, it's it's crazy, but 99% of my time is spent with my daughter. Wow. You know what I mean? Like, I, I... For me, public speaking and getting in the community and doing community stuff is twofold. It's one, it's good for my mental health, and it's about creating community where you feel comfortable. Mm. And if I feel comfortable, imagine how many other people. So that's my objective. Right. Uh, as, as the indigenous elders said, we're not inheriting anything, borrowing it from the children. Meaning, I don't own anything. I'm just nurturing and maintaining it for my children. Right. So that's the mentality I have in the community Edmonton. I'm taking care of it because I know my children are going to be here next. Yeah. You know, yeah. And so they don't value mental health, but slowly they start to. Um, my mom, after even went into mental health, now she took my sister, who was just graduated from high school. She took her to get some counseling and stuff. So it's it's gradually building up there. And I think that's another thing that's problem with uh, men and our mental health is we don't value the emotional part of our lives. We don't value feel things. Uh, we don't value things. Like what that does is when you are in your mind and constantly battling about who you are and who you should be, then you get lost in the cycle of trying to where you are realize, hey, you know what? I have huge anxiety. I can't eat it, but I have problems eating in public. I have really big problems with uh, having small talk for uh, for an hour or so in a public event. I can't do that. I need to ch- check myself and challenge myself. How do I do better? Reading a book, what is, watching a play, whatever it is, mm-hmm. and finding back. I want to realize that. It, you know, have, you, have you ever heard that riddle where they say there are 30 cows in the field and 28 chickens? No. Okay, so my question is, there are 30 cows in the field, 28 chickens, how many did it? Does it make sense to you? <laughs> Not really. <laughs> so, but, but when I say there are 30 cows in the field, 20 of them, they ate chickens oh. and didn't ten. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. from the perspective, perspective is yes. crazy because if you aren't ready for that perspective or if you don't have an understanding of what that perspective is, it just will not click. Mm-hmm. You don't realize what a detriment is or what a challenge is or if that's considered anxiety or if that's a bipolar. Because a lot of times masculinity, we don't realize that the way we, you're behaving comes from mental health issues, you know? Yeah, totally. You're insecure about who you are because a lot of times bullies are bullies and people call people homophobic slurs because they're insecure about their own identity, not saying that they identify as gay or whatever, but I'm saying that within their, themselves, in their own heart, they don't know who they are. Right. So that's a challenge. So they, they, they lash out in an external because if you can't feel internally, you explode. Yeah. No, that totally makes sense. And and it's so true about, um, specifically, and I, and I see this in the Chilean community too, in the Latin, Latin American community. Um, you're right with the guys. It, it is, it is a struggle for them to kind of embrace their own emotions or embrace their, their fears or embrace their, um, I don't know how to say this, like their insecurities. Um, and just try to challenge themselves on that. It's, I, I, I do think that it's kind of more of like the, 
like I said, like the survivor's mentality, like uh, that there's a lot of people are, are saying that, you know, we got to be the breadwinner. And if we're not the breadwinner, that's part of their identity. And and if they're not that, then what happens? And, you know, like our economy wasn't the best for such a long time. And I worry about those people that lost their jobs because of that, just because of like if they lose a part of their own identity, that's that's tough on them. Right. So it's 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 a hard like balance to <laughs> to maintain it's, it's, for immigrants. Imagine, can you imagine, like, you're a man, you're a male, and you're in your household, you're, like you told, you're the breadwinner, you're the one who brings family, you get a great job at the mail, or you get a great job at a mining company, and then all of a sudden the company goes down, and your identity was part of this, this mining company, this mill was part of your identity, now you can't work no more, now who are you? Now you can't feed a family, you were told the only thing a man can do is feed a family, that's the only job, and you're supposed to be the breadwinner, you can't even do that, it's, it's a wrap, like, your mental health is going downwards, and how do you even think about your identity as whether you're masking your you're, you're fighting your own inner demons? You're totally right about all those things. Uh, I'm, I'm with you. Um, I'm also like, because you're now Port Laureate and uh, you're going out to speaking to kids now and uh, and to youth. And uh, what's that? What's that been like for you? I've just been a bit again. Uh, it's that thing that I was talking about. Uh, you walk the path that you want people to see. Right. And so and now I, I, get, I get to, you know, I get to demonstrate to them what it means to be yourself. Because when I go in front of them, there was something that my uh, improv teacher and my drama teacher taught me early on. And they said, when you're going up on stage, you're not trying to be the best actor, the best comedian. You're just trying to be the best you. Right. You're becoming comfortable on the stage, right? So I become comfortable with who I am. Like, I know who I am. So when I go in front of these kids, you know, I'm myself. It was a joke. I talked to them about them as a Somali. You know, I talked to them about Wallahi there. I talked to them something about Islam. I talked about how mm. uh, I love I love cleaning the home. And, you know, in a, in, indirectly without letting them know that I'm telling them lessons. I tell them about kindness, about how I gave up my seat on the bus for an elder. You know what I mean? Things right. and stories and more like things that you don't control the world. You control how you interact with right. You are capable of anything. You just put your mind to it. Your parents aren't against you. They want the best for you. You know, mm. reshaping how we were taught all these different things like, oh, you have to go to school. And I told them, you don't have to go to university. If you don't want to, you go to university when you're ready because when you're ready, you're better. And you don't go to university for money. You go for learning because when you learn, do what you love. And when you do what you love, you make money better. Yeah. It's a lot easier. So I'm saying, chase your dreams, not money. Money comes and goes, dreams don't. Muhammad Gandhi might be dead, but he's not really dead. We're still talking about him. Even though he's yeah. a bad man, like this is the, the definition of, we're talking about masculinity and bad men. Like this is the definition of the individual did stuff somehow still is relevant in our day for a different type of action. Kind of right. fighting against oppression. Right, right. No, it's true. And and, it, and it's a good point of saying that, um, you know, somebody isn't, uh, like a person is never going to be perfect, but their ideas and their voice are always going to, if, if, if it's something that's good and if it's something that's that's relevant, it'll always continue on. Um, and that's that's like the, the power of art almost. It's the power of like poetry too, right? Like your poems yeah. are still gonna live on, uh, regardless yeah. if you're here or not. So true. Yeah. So true. I have a, a line. Uh, even with yourself, the podcast. And remember, we aren't dead. Like this is the line. I say we are nothing more than matter made of earth and time. And in a matter of time, this body of ours will go back to earth and won't matter. Because in a world where legacy is the only thing behind, it's not when you empty your grave or when the last memory of you fades that you truly die. Mm. Um, it's the reason why God shaped this earth like a honeycomb, so that we never forget to just be. Mm. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I was so moved by that, but I hit my microphone. Um, so the last question I have for you um, is a question that we always end off with modern manhood is, is what is 
and you've given us a lot of great, great advice, but I, I want to see if you, um, if you have something else for us. Is there a piece of advice that's helped you and you would want to give out to other males? Everybody, which is you only live one life. Build who you are as you are, not as you to be. Uh, ask yourself questions: Why am I doing this? Is this because told to do this? Because the way I've done this way, or is it because that's me? Try to find who you are in the world because create yourself a museum, put your art and story legacy on it. Or honestly, as simple as it is, fade to black is on, but. Better to be remembered for being good than remembered bad, in my opinion. And after, especially after watching <laughs> the movie Coco, you wanna you wanna be on people's uh, mental of friend of and you wanna be remembered for the rest of the time to remember who you were as an individual, not kindness, what makes them more kind of other people and live their kindness. So I'm just saying, be the best you. Be a good human being. It's not about competition. Yeah. Not, uh, not fighting against anybody else. You want you, the only person to ever compete against is your old self. The only person you should ever be better than is your true self. Everything happens for a reason. Sometimes when things are hard and hurt and are bad, they're meant to be that way. So you have to look at it from your perspective, not from a poor me, because things will happen. Don't for the world until I wrapped it in you. Yeah, such a good, such a great advice, and it's been evident through all throughout the conversation that we've had that that being yourself and being who you are is such an important message for you, and uh, I think an important message for everyone to hear. So. Ahmed, this has been absolutely fantastic. Thank you so much for your time, and thank you so much for uh, for having this conversation. Um, this was this was great. It's uh, been an extreme pleasure. First and foremost, thank you for talking about so important, redefining what it means a uh, man in male society. Thank you for inviting me to revalue my opinion. <laughs> it's an honor. Uh, you honor me, my friend. Thank you. So that's it. That was another episode of Modern Manhood. Thanks again for listening, and thanks again to Ahmed Ali to taking some time to speak with me uh, this was an awesome awesome conversation and I hope to have some more with Ahmed um, if you want to check out more of Ahmed Ali and the stuff that he does uh, go check out the Otherwise podcast it's launching on September 28th you can check it out at otherwiseshow.com um, I'll put the links on the show notes as well if you wanted to reach out for that um, yeah the first episode is popping up pretty soon so uh, and there's going to be a party celebrating that first episode so check that out as well too so again if you like Mar Manhood if you like what we do uh, please go check out the Patreon so it's patreon.com slash nextgenmen um, and also check out all the other uh, podcast episodes in the Alberta Podcast Network so that is albertapodcastnetwork.com and that's also powered by ATB so that's it that's all Next week, we're going to talk to a psychologist. We're going to talk about a lot more about relationships with boys. Um, so, yeah, you'll get to hear a lot more about that. See you all next week. And thanks for tuning in to Modern Manhood.